defying all hatred be the love beyond toleration be the love before pride and exaltation be the love be the love You are listening to Be the Love, transcending through the shadows into a higher state of consciousness. We are souls on the journey, opening up the conversation to heal, awaken, and connect ourselves and the planet to a higher vibration of love frequency. It starts with you. Everything you need is within you. This is your time. I am Stacy Musial. And I am Sam Fernandez, and we are your co-hosts at Be The Love Podcast. Thank you for tuning in and ascending with us. Hop on board the Ascension Bus. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Be The Love, Transcending Through the Shadows. I am Stacey Musial. And I am Sam Fernandez. And together we are your co-hosts. And right now, let's, before we get started, I'd like to invite you to get grounded with us. So if it feels safe for you to take a moment and get centered with us, I'd like to begin to invite you by taking a deep breath in through your nose and out of your mouth, releasing anything that is keeping you from being present. And take another deep breath in through your nose and out of your mouth. And just taking a moment, just breathing in love and breathing out anything you are ready to let go of. And take one more breath into your nose and out of your mouth, just feeling your body as a whole in this moment. Remembering that you always have your breath to come back to. Thank you. And today we'd like to welcome our guest, Sharon Harvey Alexander. Sharon is a director of Mountain Wisdom Holistic Health and is on a mission to elevate well being across the planet, one breath, one person at a time. Sharon is a longtime teacher and practitioner of yoga and meditation. And she has an undergraduate degree in clinical nutrition. She did graduate work in urban planning and is certified certified as a professional Ayurvedic yoga therapist, holistic stress management educator, Reiki master teacher trainer, and breathing coach. She's also the author of the widely selling book, Learning to Breathe, Learning to Live, Simple Tools to Alleviate Stress and Invigorate Your Life. Welcome, Sharon, and thank you so much for being here. Thank you. What an honor it is to talk with you today. Thank you so much. It's it's such a pleasure. And so I'd like to just start out and um, let you talk a little bit about what it is you do. It sounds like you have a very diverse background. Um, So so tell us a little bit about what got you started on that and what brings you um, to this work. Sure. I think it's fair to say that all my life I've been a seeker. And I should preface, I should say, all my life I've been a seeker up until now. (laughs) And now I have lived a long life and I am, I'm happy with the seeking and the information that I have found and the experiences that I've had. And I'm ready to really just live from that place of understanding and compassion for the experiences that we all have which some are which some are which are similar and some which are very different and very diverse and maybe something no one else could really understand so where i am in my life now having raised i have two children who are now young adults one still in college one recently graduated moving into their lives beautiful children embracing the world And, you know, I don't want to mess around anymore. I just want to do my part to elevate well-being across the planet, Mm. body, mind, heart, and soul. Mm. 
So tell me a little bit more about what that looks like for you. What does that mean? Well, it means, first of all, that I feel content in my own being. Mm. And I have found that, um, as I mentioned, by seeking for many years uh, the source of well-being, if you will. And that, again, that's physical, but also mental, emotional. And of course, there has to be a spiritual component. Mm -hmm. So my work really integrates all of those aspects of ourselves and can be beneficial for anyone who knows there's more to just working out in the physical body or going to work and using the mind to solve problems you know, or whatever it is, or if there are emotions that are stuck, a tender heart, you know, there are ways that we can work with these aspects of ourselves, but also integrate the different, the disparate parts of ourself so that we feel more whole, more balanced, more content. Mm. So it sounds like, um, cause you've written the book um, and the, um, learning to breathe, learning to live. So can you tell us a little bit about how breath work and that um, plays into the work that you do? Sure, yeah. Again, over the years, I've found that the way we breathe is reflective of the way we live. And that when we spend time with our breath, we, that is a tool that is always available, costs nothing to use, and can have dramatic effects in positively influencing well-being. Mm -hmm. Can you say more about that and how um, connecting to the breath might influence that? Sure. So, Okay, I'll share that um, it, in the time of COVID and not to, well, yeah, in the time of COVID, right? We may be in this time for another, who knows, year. Uh, I've been watching more TV. I'm not a TV watcher, but my husband and I have been watching in particular a series on Netflix called Madam Secretary. And she is the State Department uh, Secretary of State and you can see these people, there are intense situations, you know, at the global level, the Iran, I guess this was filmed in 2008, I don't know, but the peace deals between Iran and Israel and, you know, whatever it is, and these people, and especially the chief of staff to the president in this series of, of drama films, uh, doesn't breathe, right? He is holding his breath all day long, he is going at it. And the guy had a heart attack, you know, on the show. And so that's an, that's an example mm. of, of the intensity um, at which people live, but also how, uh, for me, breath is so important. And we could pull him way back from the edge if he was to just cultivate a, a, some awareness of breath a little bit every day. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, that's, that's interesting. I actually wanted to... Uh kind of um, touch a little bit about that when you mentioned, you know, the, the COVID era that we're living in and, you know, this, this gentleman and just holding his breath and actually holding his breath is what ultimately was his demise. I know for me, um, especially right now with everything that's going on, you know, your anxiety level is up. So that means, you know, more shortness of breath, holding the breath more. And I don't know about, about anybody else listening, but for me, I feel like if I don't breathe in, like too deeply, then I won't get any viruses coming into me. But yeah, that's also not necessarily true, is it? You actually uh, breathing deeper is actually what helps cleanse than holding your breath, right? So could you um, just kind of you know maybe elaborate on that a little bit? How actually no, you we're supposed to be breathing deep right now. We're supposed to be getting the breath into the body. Yeah, beautiful. Um, beautiful. So our lungs have lobes, right? They have, there are different lobes in the lungs. Mm -hmm. In the upper lobes of the lungs, which is in the area of the chest, are housed receptors for the sympathetic nervous system. And that is fight or flight. 
fight, flight, freeze mechanism, right? Our classic response to stress. And so when you take these short, when you're sipping your breath because you don't wanna to get too much breath because there might be a virus on that breath, you're just bringing air into those upper lobes of the lungs. And that's keeping the stress response firing. And so it's like the, the chicken and the egg or it, you don't get out of this cycle of, I'm nervous, I'm worried, I'm anxious, I don't wanna to breathe too deep because what about the virus? Where is it? I can't see it, it's all around me. Oh my God, and then it and then it ex escalates, and that ultimately that is really what leads to anxiety, depression, mm -hmm. and more. So counter that with the lower lobes of the lungs, which are really all the way down toward the lowest ribs, all the way down into the belly when they're expanded with air. The low lobes of the lungs are where the receptors for the parasympathetic nervous system are housed. And that is your relaxation response. So breathe, getting air, breathing deeply, getting air into the lowest lobes of the lungs mm -hmm. will turn on the relaxation response. Very important, especially mm -hmm. now. And definitely, can and in, in, in that, um, with the relaxation response, how does that influence our immune system? Beautiful, beautiful. So the stress response, so the short, shallow breathing, the upper lobes of the lungs, stimulates cortisol, right? And other uh, hormones associated with stress, adrenaline, epinephrine, those, those hormones. And, you know, continuous exposure, continuous release of those hormones in our body lowers our resistance, lowers our immunity. So again, slowing down, breathing more deeply and breathing through the nose, which we'll get into, all boost immunity. Which sounds like would be beneficial during this time to do some deep breathing and um, creating that relaxation response. And so can you talk about um, more about maybe the importance of belly breathing and how that affects even um, you mentioned the, the nerve system, but also maybe like the vagus nerve as well and how yeah. that influences. Yes. And Stacy, you may want to talk more about the vagus nerve with your background in psychology, um, but it is one of the biggest cranial nerves that moves down and enervates. It, it stimulates muscles of the face all around our jaw in particular, into the throat, into the chest, heart and lungs, and into the belly, stomach, digestion. And neuroscientists are finding that more uh, information is traveling upward, upline from those organs into the brain, uh, that the vagus nerve is a very important player in relaxation, in immunity, um, in overall well-being. So breathing deeper, filling the lungs more, taking the air into the lower lobes of the lungs has a beneficial effect on all the systems in our body, in part by its role of stimulating the vagus nerve and all of the organs that the nerve touches. Um, and then you mentioned belly breathing. So belly breathing, also known as dia diaphragmatic breathing, is the premier way to bring air deeper into the lungs. And we can talk more about that, um, but I'm open to you <laughs> guiding the discussion if you'd like to. Yeah, no, that's great. I'd love to hear more about the, um, the belly breath and how that um, stimulates that. So I want to point out that the lungs are not muscles. The lungs are an organ like the heart, like the stomach, the gallbladder, the liver, like the brain. And so the lungs in and of themselves don't expand, don't contract. It's the muscles around them. It's the muscles of respiration that help us breathe. The diaphragm is the biggest muscle of respiration. There are also muscles on the sides of our torso 
And there are accessory muscles of respiration that come up into the shoulders. So you might see someone who for quite a long time has been a shallow breather and now struggles to really take a full breath and the shoulders come up mm-hmm. when inhaling, right? Mm-hmm. And that's really leading to what's called parasympathetic breathing or reverse breathing, which is also a stress trigger. And that's because the main muscles of respiration, diaphragm being the, the main player, have grown weak over time because they haven't stimulated that by taking deep breaths. So belly breathing counters that, but it may be someone's automatic response to breathe in the opposite way. And they don't have any idea what you're talking about when you say, oh, just take a belly breath. Like people might notice you're stressed and just say, oh, just take a deep breath. Mm -hmm. But if you're breathing in this opposite way, it's ineffective and you're going to continue to stimulate the stress response. Mm -hmm. So belly breathing is something one can learn. And that is the very first practice in my book. My book, Learning to Breathe, Learning to Live, has several practices that build upon one another. They can also be used as standalone practices. And they start with diaphragmatic breathing or belly breathing. And, and really they start with nose breathing. And there's a, we can talk about that. So you can belly breathe. Mm. I haven't practiced it in a long time to see if I can belly breathe through my mouth, but those belly breathing, diaphragmatic breathing and nose breathing are two very important concepts to understand and to learn before progressing with breath work. Uh, and breath work is really a new age term now that refers to the conscious use or conscious control of our breath to influence in one way or another, a person's mental, emotional, or physical state. But breath work is really, breath work has its roots in ancient Eastern practices that are referenced in texts dating back thousands of years. So for anyone who's interested in breath work or breathing to alleviate stress, the most important First two steps are learning to move your belly as you breathe and learn getting comfortable breathing through your nose. Very good. And uh, a little bit later on, if you, if you wouldn't mind providing, you know, just a little short, like maybe belly breathing um, practice or something. Um, but one thing I did want to, I uh, want to ask you about, so you were, um, you know, talking about um, people's emotional state. Um, so what I was wondering is, as far as breathwork is concerned, how does that assist people in transcending through their emotions, you know, doing shadow work or, you know, rising from the ashes or something like that? How, how beneficial and important is breathwork for that? Beautiful. It's critical. If you want to have lasting transformation and you use that word transcending or uh, transcending and I'd like to suggest that first we have to find the ground, right? Mm -hmm. Because, and the ground can be rocky, right? Or someone with pain in their physical body, they may not want to come into the body and become embodied. But, you know, that's my business is mountain wisdom, holistic health. And the mountain, if you think of an image of a mountain, for me, it has a broad, right? Broad and firmly rooted base. Mm-hmm. And it rises high to the sky, right above the clouds to heaven, you know, however you want to look at that. And so I feel like basic practices are very important and valuable for everyone, especially if you're new to this. And even more important, if you have any kind of emotional discomfort, emotional unrest, emotional instability. We need to f- cultivate that stability and then build on that um, appropriately. And my concern is, you know, s- some of what people consider to be new age can move a little too fast and ultimately cause people to fall back in, in a more traumatic way. Mm-hmm. So if you were working with someone with maybe some, some trauma and they were maybe caught in that fight or flight uh, freeze response, 
how might you work with someone experiencing those kinds of emotions? Beautiful. And as I mentioned, it might be really hard for them to feel safe in their body. Or even, yeah, and when emotions, when memories are triggered, right away they, they may have that tendency to move into fight or flight. It, you know, um, I do offer a particular practice that has been studied by the National Institute of Health with veterans returning from war, fantastic remedy for PTSD. Mm. Uh, but we won't get into that. It's not breath specific. Breath is an element of that, but it's an integrated body, mind, and breath uh, practice. So, but I, I still feel like learning to move the belly. So even if someone who has pain or trauma uh, in the body, and fear of feeling their body, learning to soften the belly. We, we armor, we off, many of us have been taught to hold a tight belly for aesthetic reasons, for athletic reasons, or because we're scared, fear. Uh, it's common fear reaction. And so we need to work at that level. And I may not introduce breath practices right away. That's why I, you know, I have an, um, if you will, a toolbox of, of many different tools that work on many different levels. And I have, you know, enough life skill and uh, 25, 30 years of working at, at this level with people that I can really sense what's needed. You know, I'm, maybe some Reiki, uh, maybe just conversation is important first to gain trust and then to guide them slowly into this beneficial relationship with breath and beneficial relationship with body and mind. I really, uh, yeah, I really like uh, what you said there because I know um, from my personal experience anyway, that once you start to open yourself up to spiritual practices, um, the floodgates kind of, you know, <laughs> kind of start to start to pour in. So it can be really, really overwhelming. Um, and just to, you know, through, through, uh, through your, um, through your practices and, and, you know, just everything that you know, and to be able to say, okay, you know, breath work is breath work is amazing. However, let's take it a step at a time. You know, and uh, yeah. you know, let's let's drop that anxiety a little bit and just kind of, you know, let's talk or something first. Yeah, I, I would like to meet you where you are rather than think this is what you need. Right. Yeah. And so I'm able to, um, yeah, to assess where someone really is, even if they come. So I'll share. I had a client. She was in her early 30s. She had a tumor or a, she had a lump, a mass in her ovary. She had had surgery, some kind of surgery similar to, to what was being suggested um, about 10 years prior and had a terrible experience, mostly with the anesthesia. So she was frightened um, both by the, by the possibility of having to have another surgery, but also by the um, lack of clarity around what the issue really was, what the mass really was. And so she was actually working with an Ayurvedic physician. I'm an Ayurvedic practitioner, not a physician. And, uh, but I understand the lingo and I, and no one was explaining to her, why are they reading my pulse? Why are they looking at my tongue? Why are they doing this? Why are they doing that? They're just telling me to do this stuff. And so I could hold her hand. I could explain, I too could read her pulse and, ex and explain to her what I was sensing and what was coming up. So I could, one of my skills is just to be patient and to walk along with, hold hand if necessary. Mm -hmm. And so we worked together for several months, calming her anxiety. She came to me for this guided relaxation practice that I mentioned, but we didn't even get there often or very much, certainly not in the beginning. She just needed someone to talk to, someone mm -hmm. who could listen and would understand. Long story short, we ended our uh, professional relationship because I was having some shoulder surgery and she had lost her job. I had suggested she take the summer off, which she could do. 
And so I went into the surgery. She called me just a couple weeks later and told me she had another medical evaluation and the tumor had shrunk by 50% over just a few months. And they said, continue doing whatever it is you're doing, it's working. And she did surgery. That's beautiful. so awesome. It reminds me too of like, you know, really the importance of meeting people where they're at in their journey and not pushing them further than they're ready to go, but working on the layers. I like to think of healing as, you know, layers of an onion. So we're pulling back those layers and and they're going to, you know, we have our own innate um, healing abilities. You know, we have to trust our bodies and that our bodies know best and um, and as practitioners, we can stand beside someone and walk with them. I just Absolutely. love that. Yeah. Yeah. Great. So tell, tell us a little bit about um, the importance of, yeah, how breath work is utilized to combat or move through illness and uh, chronic pain or just emotional pain in general. Right. Beautiful. So, provided one has developed a comfort level with both breathing through the nose and moving the belly as they breathe, those two acts, actions, have the effect of stimulating the parasympathetic nervous system, countering fight or flight. So, when doing that regularly, it's going to reduce the release of stress hormones in the body. It's going to bring balance to the systems in the body, including blood pressure and heart rate. Digestive system will potentially find more balance, so less issues in the gut, for instance. Um, Circulatory system, lymph flow, all of that finds what we call homeostasis or balance. That is really a definition of health for many people is to cultivate that balance in the different systems of the body. And when the body comes into balance, then it's easier for our mind to let go of worry and concern, right? And maybe even to learn to trust again that the body is going to function well Um, and that we could transcend or we could move beyond, or we could really, it's about letting go of, um, that worry or that traumatic experience. You know, that's a huge conversation that we could have just that focus some other time, Mm -hmm. but, and you, you asked, so body pain, physical pain. So physical pain can be it can be indicative of this tense state, this um, elevated hormonal stress hormone flow that leads to pain. And when one addresses that, when one learns to breathe effectively to reduce stress, pain often is minimized or goes away, I have found. I've led, you know, I was a ski racer in college. Um, Actually, I should share. I climbed Mount Kilimanjaro in Tanzania, Africa for my 50th birthday. Oh, wow. And I, I walked, I hiked at a pace that allowed me to breathe through my nose the entire way, Hmm. even at 19,000 feet. And we did what very few people do. We slept on top in the crater, 19,000 feet, spent the night. And I felt pretty good. I felt pretty good the whole time because I was breathing through my nose. And that really, I had been nose breathing for about 10 years before that. Um, So it's a, you know, it's a, it's a way to feel great with intense exercise. Mm. It's a way to feel great with intense emotional experiences Mm -hmm. and it can lead us to our spiritual self. Mm. And just to, just um, kind of piggyback or to, um, yeah, just kind of in conjunction with that. Um, have you seen a connection between emotional pain and chronic pain? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And they feed each other, right? 
for sure. That seems to be such a um, epidemic in our country with a lot of chronic pain and recognizing how much of that chronic pain um, can be really linked to that emotional pain. And it sounds like breath work has a way to help release a lot of that um, that is triggered by the emotional piece. Beautiful. Two things come to mind. The first one is when you notice yourself feeling emotional, whatever that might be, anger, fear, um, joy, <laughs> worry, you know, whatever, however you want, whatever uh, emotion you're feeling or noticing is coming about, if you can continue to breathe through it. And again, I don't know about you, but many of us have been taught that expressing our emotion is not okay, right? It makes other people uncomfortable, you know, just don't cry, you know, whatever it is. And we need to express emotion. If you think about it, emotion, energy, E, in motion. And so emotions need to flow. And when we try to squelch or ignore or... Um, not let an emotion flow, it seeps deeper into the body and it will erupt. It will find a way to express itself, but it may take years and there may be cr chronic pain as a result because emotion is going deeper and deeper into the physical body. Mm. So if we can breathe smoothly through the experience of any emotion, it allows that emotion to flow on, right? And to be released from the physical body, to be released from our experience. Mm -hmm. And so again, breathing with awareness, breathing smoothly, breathing fully, breathing through the nose, moving the belly, all of that is key to releasing difficult emotions. Mm -hmm. So they don't dig deeper and result in pain in the physical body, physical, mental, emotional body. That's beautiful. And I love just, you know, just what you said about it being energy in motion and, you know, it needs to be in this flow, the state of flowing. And so those trapped emotions from say childhood or, you know, past events um, can get stored in the body. And so we really need to learn to connect with the breath and um, to release some of that, that emotional energy. And so I'm wondering how, if you can talk a little bit about how that process can occur and, and, and how that might benefit maybe even the spiritual side of things and how that helps to transcend and, and move through um, and what that means like on a spiritual side of things. Beautiful. And I would be happy to guide a short practice too before we finish because oh, sometimes be awesome. having the experience, you know, it, is more effective than the words to describe it. Mm -hmm. um, but I'll say that when we, okay, if we notice, so the first thing, it, it comes back to awareness again and again, whether we call that consciousness or awareness, right? Being aware of our state, our being present. And actually, so the breath can be a tool for the mind to bring the mind into the present moment which is a beautiful uh, foundational practice to move toward elevated spiritual states, right? So awareness, we need to be aware of when our shoulders are crunching up toward our ears or our ribs are tightly holding whatever's inside so our heart doesn't burst open you know, or our belly is tight and, and the digestive enzymes can't effectively work with the food that we're putting in there. We need to notice, so, we, so noticing discomfort and addressing it, it's okay for us to take care of ourselves. Mm. It's okay for us to slow down and bring ourselves into a good feeling state. It's important and breath can help us do that. Very much so, and I think we, maybe sometimes in our culture miss um 
we, uh, you know, believe in like self-care is selfish or, you know, that self-love and really trying to bring back, like taking care of ourselves, taking care of our inner being so that we can truly show up in the world in our, in our sovereignty and who we are. Right. Yeah. If we think of the body as a temple, mm. right, we want to take care of, uh, uh, the body as a vehicle, or I like to refer to it as a vase mm. for spirit, right? And we want it to be beautiful. We want, I mean, we want to take care of the body. And that means all of the functions inside the body, not just our skin or the way we adorn ourselves, mm -hmm. but what is going on inside. And that's really about cultivating uh, sensitivity to how we feel. Yeah. So in your book, you talk a little bit about mantra practices, mudras, and the sound of breath. Can you go into that and how you might incorporate that into your breathing practice and what, um, how that might help someone on their journey? Sure. So listening to the sound of the breath is, in many ways, can become a mantra practice. A mantra is a tool to focus the mind, to bring the mind into the present moment. There are many words or sounds one could use as a mantra. They don't have to be Sanskrit. You know, whatever your original religious practice was or whatever your uh, cultural orientation is, finding a word or an image from that can be very effective and maybe even more effective because that's what your system is used to. So Sanskrit is a unique language. Hebrew is very similar. They are two of the, maybe they're the oldest languages. Uh, Sanskrit may predate Hebrew a bit. And they, so every syllable, vowel, consonant, so the Sanskrit language is, is poetic. Every, every syllable in the language vibrates a particular part of the body. Mm -hmm. And so when the syllables are combined to create a, a word, if you will, it's really a map of how the body is being vibrated by sound. Mm. And that's the benefit of mantra practice is sound vibrating into the physical body to break up tension mm -hmm. or the density, right? And so we're really talking about density de uh, of energy. And by chanting, we can stir it up a little bit or by shaking, right? Or humming or dancing or yoga or breathing, right? It's all of that is flow. We're get, we're, and it's really about connecting with life force. And so when we vibrate a part of the body, it's, it's, it's like if you break up sand that has coagulated, that is firm and hard, and then it breaks up into the little crystals, more energy can flow through it. And life force is what it's all about, bringing life force connecting more effectively with, with that energy that's all around us mm. and travels through us with each and every breath mm. or sound. That's beautiful. So how might, um, so every emotion um, has say a vibration, right? Guilt and shame are at the very bottom. Um, yeah. And I can't remember at the moment, like what the numbers are. And I can certainly share that with our listeners. Um, but can you tell me, tell us a little bit about how that sound healing might break up that density of those maybe lower vibrational emotions? Beautiful. So I think of depression, right? Depression is a pretty low state of being, state of awareness, if you will. Like the word depressed really means to slow down. And so Fortunately, I have not had deep, severe depression in my life, but I've worked with people who have, and it is this state of, of dullness, slowness, like mm, 
maybe feeling trapped at the bottom of a well and you only have yourself to rely on to get out. And I'm not saying that you might start humming and it's going to elevate you, although there are references to levitation in ancient texts, um, but that's how sound works. And if you, there are many um, examples on the internet of vibration, it, moving the sand around into these mandala shapes, into these mm -hmm. organic structures, right? And so it's really creating a freedom in dense tissue so that it can move with more ease. And that allows us, bringing it back to breath, that allows us to take deeper, more nourishing, life-sustaining breaths and slowly raise the level at which we're vibrating, raise the level of our energy, raise our consciousness to a higher level so we feel better and ultimately can do better and be better. Hmm. Those would be the steps up the mountain, I think. So it reminds me of um, messages of water, um, Imazuro Imoto. Um, mm -hmm. And so how, you know, he would say um, awful things to water and it would become very discombobulated and ugly looking. And, and then he would say things of love and gratitude and it would change into this crystalline um kind of structure and so that's sounds like the the sound that through mantras are creating that frequency of maybe a higher vibration that changes the structure in how we um might change how our emotions are stored in our bodies or the frequency that we carry forward with us or carry in our bodies through that the sound vibration yes exactly Such so a beautiful thing go ahead sam so um i mean we've talked a lot about uh you know breath work and the physical and the spiritual um and you shared with us a lot of really good information. Um, and I do know that you do have, with all this vast knowledge that, that you possess, you do have a signature program called Elevate Your Life Naturally. Can you explain a little bit uh, what that entails? Sure. So it all comes down to nature. You're, we are human nature. And we are a reflection of our experiences, but we are also a reflection of the energies found in nature. And the Ayurvedic physicians of old 5,000 years ago, Vedic traditions, found ways that became practices that could elevate well being by working with our unique nature. And it's, this gets into your, the doshas, vata, pitta, kapha, which again would be another opportunity to chat on a different podcast. Um, but when we come into balance with nature, with our essential nature and the way that nature is reflected in us, body, mind, heart, and soul, <clears throat> we can live an elevated life. And so my program my program, Elevated Naturally, is a five-week program, or I should say it's five sessions. I like to see someone first three weeks in a row, and the first one and a half or the first two meetings ha are involved in assessment. There is a lot of assessment intake that happens where I'm looking at your Ayurveda dosha, how the elements of nature are reflected in your body, your mind, your emotions, and your spirit. And they can be reflected in different ways in each of those different parts of you. So a lot of assessment and intake and, and initiatory or basic practices. So I work with people over five sessions the first two sessions being heavy on intake and assessment, mm -hmm. allowing me to get a sense of who they are and what's maybe underlying their, the issue that they are presenting to me. 
and we develop a relationship. I offer practices that they can take and begin to incorporate into their day. These are simple self-care practices. Mm -hmm. So one has to be open to that, open to working on themselves. Mm -hmm. We work, the first three sessions happen weekly. And then I give them a few weeks to go out and live life and, and weave these into their life come back for the fourth session, and then they take a couple of months, go out and live life, integrate the practices into their day, into their week, and then come back for the final fine tuning or tweaking on the fifth session. After that, you know, transformation happens for many, many people. And some continue to work with me quarterly or come in a couple times a year or come back for a yearly tune up. Sounds uh, that sounds, yeah, that sounds like a really amazing, um, and it's something, you know, especially in the times that we're in now, it's something that's very, very desperately needed, you know, is to, because I know, I mean, around, you know, around where we live, it's, it's a little, there's a little bit more nature, you know, so there's, there's a little bit more opportunity to just connect. So, but, you know, you have uh, big cities, New York, Los Angeles, places like that, where it's just, it's really just an urban jungle, you know, it's just concrete. And uh, I, I would think anyway, a lot of people will lose touch with, with nature and with how to connect and how to breathe with nature. Yeah. You know? So I, I would imagine that, the people that um, do your program, I mean, afterwards, it's just, yeah, it's, it's literally just, a, just a transformation, like you said. Mm -hmm. So tell us a little bit more about your book. Sure. So <laughs> I actually started out to write a book about my experience on Mount Kilimanjaro because it was transformational. And yet I'm not a writer per se. I had no experience, you know, I'd never done that before. And I bought a publishing package. <laughs> and then, you know, I wasn't using this package, wasn't using it. And so at some point I decided I need to write about something I really know about and just do that for my first book. Um, and breathing was it. Breathing, I think, is critical to any wellness program, any um, effective program working with the physical body or the mental, emotional self. And so, and there aren't, there's not a book out there like this. This book is really great for the beginner breather, mm. beginner intermediate breather. It can take you deeper, certainly, and the practices in there build upon one another can ultimately take you into that euphoric transcendental, you know, high, high spiritual connection through meditation. So I mentioned that the, the foundational practices in the book are belly breathing and nose breathing. Mm -hmm. And then the practices become more refined or more subtle. So as one develops comfort with each practice, they can take it deeper or the, their experience can become more subtle. That's where mantra, listening to the sound of the breath uh, and visualization come in. So, you know, the book is really a tool for anyone who would like to cultivate a relationship with their breath and establish higher levels of overall well-being naturally. Beautiful. And we would love it and be honored if you would take us through a short practice. Sure. Let's do it. And I will, I will take us through a practice that into that incorporates several of the practices one could learn more about in the book. How does that sound? That sounds great. Okay. So wherever you are, take a comfortable position maybe a comfortable seat. You could lie down, but the natural tendency of the body is to move towards sleep when we work with relaxation practices on our backs. So taking a comfortable seat 
uncross your legs, rest your hands in your lap, and soften the eyes. You might turn the eyes downward or even close them. And take a moment to notice this moment. Sense your feet on the floor, your seat on the chair. Soften and release your shoulders down from the ears. Soften the muscles of the face, the jaw, and soften the belly. And you might even acknowledge that you are here. You could just say, I am here now in your mind. Becoming present in the physical body. Just notice what your experience is like right now. Having no sense of where we're going. Just allowing yourself to trust that this moment is okay, just as it is. And shift your attention to your breath. Observe the breath as it flows in and out from your body. In whatever way your breath flows, allow it to flow naturally now. And if it's comfortable for you to do so, please breathe through your nose in and out. Breathing through the nose filters the air, warms the air, and allows your body to absorb more oxygen and release more carbon dioxide. So breathing through the nose, soften your belly. And place one or both hands over the low belly now, as if cradling your belly. And this is positioned below the navel, hands softly resting over the belly. And as you breathe, allow your belly to move. When you breathe in, Expand your belly. And when you breathe out, contract your belly. And you may need to do this physically. You may need to actually think about it and engage the expansion and contraction of your belly a few times for the body to remember that this is the natural way to breathe. This is the way you breathed as a baby. If this is uncomfortable or extremely foreign, reach out to me and we will address that so that you can learn to breathe into the belly. Now I invite you to follow your breath, follow the breath all the way out. Begin with your exhalation and follow your breath all the way out to the end. Let the breath come in on its own. Turn around and move out, following the breath all the way out to the end each time you exhale. Notice, begin to notice now the pauses between the exhale and the inhale, the inhale and the exhale. As you breathe out all the way to the end, let there be a pause where you hover and the breath begins again on its own, coming in. Let the breath come in all the way, not forcing it, not striving to breathe in. 
And there's a pause where the breath turns around and moves out again. I call this the four-part breath, and I talk about it in detail in the book. Moving on to listening to the sound of the breath. Imagine these sounds associated with the inhalation and the exhalation. When you inhale, imagine listening to the sound of so, or mentally repeat that sound as you breathe in and hum, Mentally, re mentally repeating the sound hum as you breathe out. This is just happening in the mind, breathing in, listening for the sound of so, or feeling it or sensing it or imagining it and hum as you breathe out. Taking a few more rounds of so hum breath now. And then shift your attention to your feeling self and notice how you feel right now. Notice if anything has changed from when we began. You may be yawning. <laughs> you may feel tired. I'll suggest this might be the natural state of relaxation and we're so busy go, go, going that it seems foreign, uncomfortable or different. Just notice, no judging, no clinging to or pushing away the experience. And in your mind, say something kind to yourself now. You could say, I love you. Or you could say, I feel good. Cultivate some kind words. Repeat them in your mind now. And then take a deep breath in through the nose, out through the mouth, sigh it out and let it go. <sighs> and take a moment to listen to the sounds in the room around you. Open your eyes and softly gaze around the space in which you're sitting. Take your time to come back into this moment, right where you are, right as you are, and cultivate gratitude for the brief time you took to connect with your breath in this way. Mm. Thank you and namaste. Thank you, namaste. Namaste. Absolutely beautiful and much needed. I just for myself recognize just being still for that moment, you know, and recognizing, and I, I was yawning a lot, you know, and I recognized that as energy that needed to be released to come into this place of relaxation for myself and just this present moment. So Sharon, thank you very much for leading us through that beautiful practice. Yeah, that really was beautiful. Actually, uh, my experience now is just the only word I could come up with is stillness. Beautiful. I'm just still and yeah, it's, uh, whew, that's some good stuff. <laughs> Thank you so much for that. <laughs> it's to recognize, too, that it doesn't have to take long. I'm guessing that was maybe five minutes. I wasn't really paying attention to the time um, at that moment. But it's really about just coming back into that stillness and, you know, and taking that five or ten minutes um, to be able to do that, to recenter ourselves from this busy go, 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 from distracting ourselves from our emotions or what is coming up, that we can, we have that, the, we have that ability to come back to our breath because it is always there. It brings us back into the present moment, something that is the only thing that is really what's true. The past 
hasn't happened or the past has already happened. The future hasn't happened yet. So we, you know, focusing on the present moment um, is truly, truly a gift that we can begin to create change in. Beautiful. Very well said, Stacy. And that is exactly the power of, of learning to breathe, which is the way we learn to live in a way that is most effective and most in line with who we are and the gifts we have to bring into the world. Mm. So, uh, and you're absolutely right. It takes just minutes a day. We don't want to encourage or push someone into even a 10, 15 minute, 30 minute meditation practice until they can create this kind of foundation. Mm -hmm. And that's when these practices then move into a more advanced experience and take you into advanced states. Mm -hmm. So I mentioned the book is great for the beginner or intermediate breather, but it can, the, as you've seen, this can take you deeper and deeper far more deeply into an advanced state of awareness and connection with all that is um, in a matter of minutes when practiced regularly. Yeah, that's beautiful. And recognizing that people can start where they're at. They don't have to jump into a meditation practice because I think that can be intimidating for a lot of people. Um, we're not feeling like they're doing it right, but just coming back to the breath and just recognizing they have the breath in this present moment and they can always come back to that and start with that in that um, where they're at in their journey. Beautiful. I always say it costs nothing to use, is always available and is fun. It can be fun too. Absolutely. I love that. Thank you so much, Sharon. <laughs> so I'm just wanting to just start um, wrapping up and, and, Tell us a little bit about how people can find you and what you're currently working on now. Sure. So I have a website. That's a great way to learn more about what I offer. And that is mountainwisdomholistichealth.com. And through COVID, I have taken everything online. I do teach a couple uh, creative movement classes, gentle yoga classes for a mature population. Uh, typically, people, it's us, it's very small, and the, my students are average age, probably 62. And so that's happening. That's a couple times a week, and we do that through Zoom. And then I, you know, Reiki can be offered over distance. So I'm able to do that. And my work, I, I so my superpower, if you will, is to be able to see into you, to really see you and understand you in the way that nature intended you to be. And, and I can do that virtually as well. So I work with people virtually and um, I do have a small studio in Boulder County. And yeah, I'm happy to work with anyone who who really want, who is a seeker and is looking for something that will make a difference. Um, yeah. In a natural and uh, real way. Mm, thank you. I love that. I love um, just that superpower and tapping into that. <laughs> and it sounds like a really powerful one. And I think a lot of people um, we need that, right. We need that um, validation from others sometimes and people, other people to see us. And I think that, also helps move through, um, you know, those emotional experiences when we can truly be seen. So thank you for the work that you're doing in the world. And thank you for being here with us today and sharing your experiences with us. And if you'd like to learn more, please visit her website at mountainwisdomholistichealth.com. And thank you for listening to our show. Stay tuned for more episodes being released on Mondays at 5.55 a.m. Mountain Standard Time. And until next time, love yourself, love each other, and love the world. And if you like this show, please share the love by sharing it with your friends and family. We love you guys. Love you guys. See you next time. Thank you, Sharon. Ciao. Thank you.
Thank you, Heather Lynn, for providing us with your beautiful song to accompany our show, Be the Love. If you would like to learn more about Heather Lynn and her music, please visit her website at heatherlynnmusic.com. And thank you, Chrissy Grace at Leading Edge Productions for the beautiful design and graphics. And thank you for tuning in. And until next time, we are souls on the journey. And thank you for hopping on the Ascension bus with us. And remember, there is always a seat for you.